With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Football season is all about competition. When it comes to tailgating, that competition isn't limited to the playing field. Start with better meat from Fairway. Hand cut, fresh, and affordable. Fairway gives you the advantage in tailgating excellence. Get ready for kickoff with the best selection of meats and all the fixings from Fairway. Welcome back, Hawkeye fans, to another edition of the Cole and Hal podcast here on Hawkeye Nation. We are recording on Monday, September the 15th, about 3.15 p.m. Central Time. Um, As you guys know, it's still a Hawkeye State. Iowa with the 18-17 victory on Saturday um, at, uh, at Ames. The fifth in a row, which is the most since the 15 in a row from 83 to 97. So um, the Hawkeyes have it going right now. And uh, Colin, that had to feel good. It always must feel, it always must feel even a little bit better for, for you know, a former player to, to watch his school do something like that. Well, absolutely. And to consider the fashion in which – they were able to get the win is even bigger. And, you know, I, I would have to say that it, it, the signs of a well-coached team is being able to really uh, pick it up in all facets and every every angle and every, every area of the team has to be clicking on all cylinders. And, you know, obviously there were some things that got uh, that were a little bit different to diagnose and we got burned, but hey, you know what? I think that ultimately for where the secondary is, I think where the growth is imminent and I'm, I'm impressed with what I saw and how they, they basically bounced back and shut Iowa State down in the second half overall. Yeah, and I'm glad you touched on that because – I've heard, and obviously this game beforehand was picked apart every way it could be, and then after it, there's, you know, it's a rivalry game, so there's excuses on one side, and this is why this happened, and you got lucky, and, you know, all that that rigmarole, but I, I maintain that the better team won this game because the team that did the little things, the team that did what it needed to do won the game. I, I, I don't buy into that. Well, Iowa State averaged, you know, 3.39 yards more per play, and it's historic that they were they – they had a 70-something yard pass and a 50-something yard pass, as you talked about. That made up a lot of statistical difference. But when you look at this game from start to finish, the Hawkeyes played the cleaner game – the Hawkeyes played the better game. Would you agree? I would agree with that in regards to uh, just how just how the, the game unraveled. And, and ultimately, you know, it, there's a lot of different factors that played into it. I mean, we, we could 
spend a whole segment talking about the weather itself and how much that plays a role into it. But you add to the fact of being up there in Ames, being in the enemy's territory and having so many different um, aspects kind of take to take to take into consideration. But then you do have to consider um, how much how clean the offense was able to come together, how clean the defense was able to come together. Uh, offensively, I, there were a lot more sustained drives as the game kind of wore down and wore on. It seemed like early on, we just weren't able to sustain the drives the way we needed to. It was a few three and outs, a few different pressure packages, pressure looks that we weren't used to seeing that, uh, that caught us off guard in certain situations. But ultimately, I, I feel like as the game and the rhythm kind of wound on, I felt like the team really started to match the momentum and match the, the tempo because those two scores that by Iowa State were huge, huge scores. I mean, the, the obviously double pass and then the, uh, the, the the long deep pass right out the gate in the second half. Those, those plays are huge plays that you have to kind of bounce off that momentum because that momentum is huge, especially being there in Ames. That momentum is so huge that you have to contend with. And the fact that uh, we're able to bounce back and still play Iowa caliber ball and grind it out when need be and uh, get the job done. I agree. And I think that's the, you know, the, the mental aspect of the game, which I think often gets overlooked by the physical. Obviously it's a physical game, physical sport. You played it a long time. You understand this, but it goes hand in hand with that mental part of the game. Um, And we talked a little bit before we started recording that, You've dealt with weather de- delays before, probably not on this scale. Uh, the first weather delay was in the first – about midway through the first quarter was 49 minutes long. They made it about two minutes into the second quarter, and there was a two-hour and five-minute delay. So, total, you're looking at almost three hours. The game lasted three hours. So, a six-hour day, um, you know, from, from kickoff to, to, you know, final horn – Speak a little bit to what that might take from a mental standpoint to be able to keep yourself focused in a situation like that. I would say the one of the biggest things is just not having control over elements. You know, that's something that none of us have any control over. So what you do is you you control what you can't control. You make sure that the guys aren't sitting there hungry. You make sure that you, you, you wrangle up sandwiches or you wrangle up something to, to feed them just so they have something on their stomachs. Because you, um, I don't know about a lot of guys, but myself, I didn't really go into games with a full stomach because that, that kind of didn't help me too much. So I would, uh, you know, by the time those games were ready to be done, I was always ready to go and, and, and eat something. But, you know, those that's a very important factor. And then the other thing is you kind of give them something to, to take their mind away from the game itself and take their mind away from the elements themselves and kind of give them hopefully maybe some, some different uh, card games or you know, give them some cards or give them something that would uh, just basically give them something to completely distract them for what the situation is. But yet give them a little bit of something to mentally stimulate them so that they stay focused and, and keep their competitive fires and juices going. Um, but yeah, with that amount of time, that's that's an insane amount of time to warm up and then have to rewarm up and get yourself going again. So hats off to the team for coming out and that's after that second one and getting back to the game plan and getting back to, to, to playing really great football. 
Yeah, be having to warm up with Doyle for three different times. I know a few of the guys were like, "Yeah, the, you know that was as that was as difficult as anything we faced from the opposition on Saturday." And um, they did they did they were able to get some sandwiches and during that second delay, I talked to Michael Ojemudia, who said he was able to take a nap during that two hours. And then Christian Welch says, "I don't know how he sleeps." He slept during that. So, it's, you know, with that many guys on the team, as you said, Colin, you can't just say, okay, this is what everybody has to do. I think it was important that each individual player, then maybe into small groups of players, did whatever they needed to do to stay focused on the task at hand and be able to get back out there again and compete. Because, as you said, that quick strike coming out of halftime, you know, you're down 14 to six and it's uh-oh time again. You know, we're on the road. This crowd's going crazy. Um, how much does it speak just to the mental makeup this, of this team that you had, ad, you know, these different adversities and still at the end of the day, you were the team that was able to come through and not make mistakes and, and pull this one out? I think it really just speaks to the leadership of the seniors, the veterans that have been a part of the program as long as they have, to take adversity in, in the element of something that you can't control, which is the elements and, and the storms and everything that came through. Those things, again, are stuff you can't control, but as as leaders, juniors and seniors that can step up and say, hey, you guys, you know, let's stay focused in this area, but, you know, making sure that you guys take your time to allow for that, that time and allow for, you know, the ability to focus on something other than the game in the area that you cannot control. So I'm hats off to everybody involved when it comes to the coaching staff to kind of keep the guys mentally in it, into it. You know, obviously you give them a couple times, you give them a little bit of time of showing them some X and O stuff, you know, 20, 30 minutes of doing that. But then yeah, that's, a, that's a whole boatload of time that they have left to kind of try to find something for themselves to do. So Again, I think that you add – just give them some little card games again or you, you, they got their cell phones. I'm sure they have something on there to, to kind of stimulate their minds while they're doing it. But ultimately, you know, take that away and get back to playing the game again. So to be able to do so and and uh, with the – again, the, just like you said, coming out of the half and then sub 14 to 6 and to just believe in the process and understand that, you know, regardless of whatever has happened, you – focus on the next play and you continue to do so and continue to stick to the game plan. And I was very impressed by the offense and the defense to be able to rise to the occasion. But Nate Stanley, again, I'm very impressed with how he was able to uh, choreograph that game down the stretch. And a lot of guys, and I'm so, again, Rob, I, I think we've, we've all been very um, spoiled with having those tight ends for the last number of years that have uh, that have been really great playmakers for us. But our receiving core, I'm very impressed with what we have in our receiving core right now. Yeah, I would agree, Colin. And, and again, just resiliency there, you know, from Brandon Smith probably should have had the one catch in the, in the end zone. It was, it was a tough catch, but I, if you, he didn't show it, he wasn't, requested for the post game so we didn't get to ask him but one I'm sure and most receivers just knowing their makeup you know if it hits their hands they believe they should catch it then he takes a shot falls on his shoulder has to go to the locker room comes back but then that big catch he had where Nate just kind of lofted the ball between the linebacker and the safety beautiful throw um 
Stanley, again, I, I think it was a third and 22, um, deep in their own end zone, or deep in their own zone. He makes a beautiful throw to Amir Smorset, who catches the ball between two. It just looks like, Colin, you know, you, you look at Smith, Marset, Smith, and Stanley. They look like guys that have grown up together over three years. And that's probably because they're guys that have grown up together <laughs> for the last three years and have practiced and repped this so much. They just, they look like they're on the same page. Yeah. And I would have to agree. And his confidence in that group is definitely growing with every throw because they're stepping up. They're making plays. I mean, you, you got to add Regini to that, that yep. makes the trio and, and um, the young guy, uh, Number seven, he's been huge. I, I can believe as a freshman how he how well he's been playing. And you know, it, it's it really just goes to show how well this done all season with, with with just getting guys the opportunities that are really good ball players. You know, we're finding some good good talent out there, and they're getting the opportunity to make good plays, and they're doing so. I also like, Colin, I'm not sure where you're on this, but as you said, last year, everything revolved around the tight ends. Okay, you lose those guys to the, to, to the draft in the first round. Now you come back and your best players in the passing game are receivers. So you just, you know, you mold your offense to throw to the receivers. And, you know, to use four, a, a still use four different running backs and make them all productive. I just, you know, it, it hasn't been perfect, but it seems like the offense has adapted this year to, to changing personnel. And I, I think that's a good sign and probably a good sign of coaching. That's the biggest part about it is the coaching staff really playing to the strengths of, of what the team is about. And he, he, I got to give credit to Brian Ferris for coming up with a game plan where you do include four different running, back, running backs who all are very productive in their own right and continuously not, you know, shouldering the load on just one guy. And that's not going to only play, play pay dividends right now in the very – recent for coming future, but uh, for the longevity of the season, uh, to be able to have four guys that you could trust in in any situation to put out on the field and um, know that they'll be able to deliver is extremely huge for our team. As a defensive player and as a defense, Colin, how do you bounce back when you give up big plays? You just realize that the old adage of – always remembering that you have to have a short-term memory. Uh, you have to move on to the next play. That's all you can control. You can't control what just happened. I mean, and that's, that, that is true in so many different facets of life. It's not just the football field, but you don't, you cannot control what has happened in the past. All you can control is what you can do in the next play. And coaches, the good coaches always make sure that they, they lean on that message and always uh, give that message to their players that, hey, control the next play. Move on to the next play. That's what you have next. Move on to the next play. And understand that, hey, you know, some of those big plays happen. You go to the sideline. You get your coaching from the sideline. You, you get with them and you get listen to all the different uh, checks. And you listen to what the defensive coaches are talking about. And you move on. And the next play is, is what really matters. 
how do you feel like the defensive line is playing? I'm, I'm, I just I don't have a, the, the in-depth knowledge of this position that you do. I'm just, you know, from a broad sense, listening to fans and, and, and people that are trying to analyze this, I think people expected Epinesa to have like eight sacks, you know, <laughs> knock three quarterbacks out of the game, whatever the case may be. I think it's been pretty good when you take into consideration the offenses that it's played. It, you know, it's playing at least Miami and, and Iowa State. They're, they're, they're teams that get the ball out quick and don't really give the defensive line, and, and smartly so, a chance to do a whole lot. But, but I thought they were – I thought they did a good job against Saturday. They didn't give up big plays on the ground. And um, I think they're complimenting the whole defense. I, it just seems like the defense is playing pretty – other than those two big plays, it looked like it played pretty well again Saturday. And despite, as you touched on before, having two defensive starters out in the secondary. Yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing that people got to understand is that early in the season, you're dealing with, with uh, teams that know you uh, very well, especially in, in Iowa State. They know who we are. They know a lot about us. They, they know what we, what we bring to the table. So to be in this, to think that any one person is going to have the statistics that just, just believing that it's going to happen, it just doesn't happen that way. Ultimately, uh, we've already talked about a lot of the, the different scheme things, schematic things that the offenses are doing to – to make it difficult for him to get the one-on-one pass rushes or, or get the one-on-one opportunities against anybody. When opportunities present themselves, he definitely makes plays. But I think as a whole, everybody's making plays when they can come to him. I think that ultimately guys will continue to get comfortable in their positions and they, you know, they, they will the play will definitely pick up. And I don't foresee any further situation where – anybody really complains about how the defensive line is looking. I think that the, overall the group is looking very good, and I think that they'll continue to grow and gel and understand uh, different aspects of the game that they can get better with. But uh, I'm, I'm very much so impressed with how well they're playing, and there's obviously room for growth. There's never any perfection when it comes to football. You know, you can always grow in, in various areas. Uh like I've said before, I feel like Chauncey Goldston has got a lot more that he's going to bring to the table, and he's definitely getting better as a as a rusher himself. So I'm I'm looking looking forward to the continued growth by the group overall. And I think it should be mentioned too, um, in fairness to some of those guys, particularly Goldston and, and Epinesa. The you know last year you were you know you being Iowa could rotate four guys at defensive end and really there was no drop off. I mean, you know, from Nelson, Hesse, Epinesa, Golston, you had four guys that could start. This year, I think a lot more is being asked of Chauncey and AJ. They're they're playing almost every down. I think you know, from a defensive standpoint, I think um, I forget who tweeted this. It may have been Mark Morehouse from the Gazette. I think only they only Iowa only played 13 guys on defense the other day. So that tells you right there that the eight-man defensive line rotation that was benefiting this defense last year, it, it, they, it doesn't have that luxury this year. And that changes things, I, I would think. Don't, is, isn't that the case? I mean, obviously, when you're fresh, I would think you'd be a little bit more productive. 
You know, I think so too, but I also think that with the added play time, you definitely have more opportunities to make more and more plays. But I think that, you know, it, I know when I played 2002, I definitely took a lot of reps um, and it wasn't a lot of substitutions for me at that point. Uh, that's a, that being said, yeah, you definitely had a group last year that was able to move in and out and, uh, a lot of guys rotated in and out, but ultimately, you know, that that talent level is continuing to grow. And I just like guys I've mentioned in the past with uh, Davion Nixon, Austin Schulte, I think those guys will continue to, to grow and continue to add depth to the team overall. And at, at the end, who is going to be that guy that's going to step in and make more plays? You know, I, I definitely feel like those guys got to, got to continue to grow and I know they got a great coach coaching them and uh, Kelvin Bell and that group will continue to grow I can promise you that what did you do Colin to kind of make you know when you're getting all those reps at, at such a physical position as the defensive line to, to push through the game, you know, when you're getting tired. And, and especially now, and you guys faced it at times when you were playing, but even now more so with the hurry up, no huddle stuff with, with and, I, and I'm sure you, you face this in the NFL as well, just when it, when the game is going really quick and you got to keep, keep going, keep pushing, keep, you know, get back down there again and, and, and you know, kind of bow up and, and go at it again. I will say, Rob, that I was very fortunate that on the, in, in college, I definitely uh, the spread and the hurry up was outside of Northwestern, not something that we had to deal with on a regular basis. Uh, and in the pro level, I always had enough substitutions to kind of help out with that. So it's difficult. Don't get me wrong. When you're going fast and you're out there and, and there's not a lot of time to, to stop. But I mean, hey. You know, you got to bow up, just like you said. You got to make those plays when those plays are, are required of you. I mean, let's let's be honest. Uh, defensive backs stay in the game the whole game. Offensive linemen stay in the game the whole game. So, uh, defensive linemen that are well conditioned and, and ready to go and fully into it mentally and physically, um, they, they can definitely play a heavy load of plays. And until the overall depth gets to a point where we can say that we have four guys at every at both positions, uh, eight eight man rotation. You know, we got to do whatever we got to do to get the wins. So, uh, again, like I said, Coach Bell will definitely continue to get the the depth worked on, and guys will continue to, to grow and make themselves available as the season moves forward. But uh, so far, I'm excited where we are, man. That's where I got to be honest. So Iowa State gets the you know they come out of that first quarter with a with a seven to three lead and. Uh, that you know, obviously we go to the big long, um, the big long second delay. Um, Iowa State, you know, comes out of that, and I, I thought a huge play in this game was was it, it seemed like Iowa had or Iowa State had seized some momentum. Um, you know, gotten the ball you know, midfield in the middle of that second quarter looked like they were going in there leading seven to three, get, you know, a chance to, to maybe tack some more on. And then Geno stone forces that fumble that Jack Kerner recovers, you know, maybe this, some of these adages, Colin don't always hold true, but in this five game winning streak, 2015, Iowa hasn't turned the ball over in the last four ball games. 
but they've forced they've forced turnovers. How, how big is that in a rivalry game like this when when every play matters and and, and you know specifically that that forced fumble by Geno Stone as you're you know you feel the team you feel the opposition coming into your zone and, and a chance to really seize momentum on the road. Um. You know, I haven't had the opportunity to play in the NFL for a number of years and under a number of great defensive coordinators, including uh, Norm Parker there at Iowa. I, it, there's been one thing that has always held true, and that is that turnovers are the number one X factor in any single game that equates to winning. And you can look this up statistically. I don't have the exact statistics in front of me, but I know that if you force – uh, if, if you're plus one on the turnover in the turnover margins, and that's when I say plus one, that's if you intercept the football and your team doesn't give away a pass, or you pick up a fumble and your team doesn't fumble the ball away, that's plus one in the turnover uh, margin. Uh, so if a team is plus three or more in the turnover margin, the chances of winning that game is 87% plus. So very high chances that you will win that game. And then, you know, from two turnovers, you know, in the plus category or one turnover, regardless, your chances statistically of winning the football game when you create more turnovers than than you give away go up extremely high. So uh, as this team's – success over the last five games continues and, and being able to uh, create turnovers and recover those balls and being able to give our, our, our offense another uh, another drive, which is what they sometimes you might hear people call that stealing a drive here or there. Uh, when you take the ball away and you give our offense an extra possession, that really gives us our, another opportunity to get down the field. And as our offense has shown, we can score the ball uh, – whether it be long distance or whether it has to be a long, drawn-out, 10-play drive uh, to get that kind of score. Uh, so that's that's where I stand. Man. I feel like um, that our group, the way that we were able to create those turnovers and give our offense another opportunity to make those plays is, is our strength right now. And that's really one of the biggest components as to how we are in this five-game winning streak. And it's interesting, too. It's almost like walks in baseball. Like the walks come back to haunt you. Like if you're a pitcher and you walk guys and they come in the score, it's kind of one of those things that, you know, makes it tough to deal with off of that turnover where, you know, it looks like Iowa State has a chance to go in or at least put three on the board. Iowa takes that turnover, goes down, and um, gets the field goal right before half. Um, and so they turn that turnover yeah. into three points and that just, so then you go into halftime seven to six, instead of it being 10, three or 14, three, just a huge, huge, huge difference there. Um, can that be coached though, Colin? Can you coach that? Because to, 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 Iowa consistently wins the turnover battle and it, it especially, particularly interceptions. Iowa's been just crazy one of the top teams in the country the last two or three years in interceptions um well yeah you definitely coach that you coach different drills to uh emphasize turnovers and try to put guys in best positions to to uh to to catch the ball so on and so forth uh we play a what is called a matchup zone so a lot of times our guys are facing towards the offense 
Whereas if you're playing more of a matchup, uh, man-to-man type of team, a lot of times those guys in the secondary, they're running, they're turning their backs, they're running with the wide receiver or running back or tight end. But being in a zone, our guys are facing towards the offense and backpedaling, kind of giving us the opportunity to see what's happening and what's developing in front of us. So um, that's going to allot for more opportunities for guys to see those passes and, and break them up or intercept them. Um, but uh, the, the bigger factor, again, is not giving the ball away on offense and, and uh, continuing to be plus in that plus uh, minus uh, turnover ratio, uh, particularly as it pertains to continuing to, to have a, that positive ratio. We'll pause right here for a sponsor break. Be back shortly. You want to wake up and see the clock, tired of contacts or glasses? LASIK eye surgery with Wolf Eye Clinic may be the life change you've been looking for. The first to perform LASIK in Iowa, more Iowans trust Wolf Eye Clinic specialists with their eyes. Call 833-532-8809 to schedule a free LASIK consultation with a Wolf Eye Clinic surgeon today. Uh, Sometimes as a fan, you get frustrated when you watch certain, I don't know if tendencies is the right word, but we talked about this last week about the, um, the clock management at the end of the half. We had this situation again this Saturday where the end of the half, Iowa's got four minutes or so. It's, it's in Iowa State's territory. It almost seemed like the coaches, again, were okay just playing for the field goal. They no shots at the end zone. So – Again, it kind of builds that narrative, Colin, that Iowa's poor at clock management. What did you see at the end of the half? To me, it seemed like, okay, they were like, listen, we got the turnover. We got the ball back here. Let's get seven to six. Let's get in the locker room. It didn't seem – it seemed – somewhat passive maybe maybe passive is the wrong word not aggressive however you want to I would have liked to see them at least take a shot or two at the end zone they didn't they decided that let's protect the ball let's get these points let's get in the locker room your thoughts on you know, that I, you know I think that we do have to consider that Iowa is that kind of team that is more uh, traditionally we are mm, conservative and a lot of times I would have to say conservative is a good thing to be uh, when it comes to play calling and, and in certain situations. You want to make sure that in a dogfight of a game that we were dealing with the other night, uh, you, you want to make sure that you get every point that you can. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, you want to make sure that you, you, you come away with as many scores and opportunities that you can have. And at that point in the game, I think Iowa State was coming in and they were making some good plays. I think that they were rallying and they were uh, taking away some of the things that we had going on. Uh, we tried a couple of uh, play-action passes. We tried some some different runs. And we, we had some success moving right down the field. But uh, there were some negative plays. And they were, they were highly energetic. And, I mean, again, you don't want to come out of that situation – uh, not being able to answer for anything or not being able to 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 have anything come out of that drive. And that was a long drive. I mean, it was a super long drive to get down there in the first place. And uh, with the time running running like it was, uh, with with two timeouts uh, left in the game, you like you would you would like to say yeah, take a couple shots to the end zone. Um, but with uh, 13 seconds left in the game, uh, second and nine. And, and having a huge play done by them and then 
ending up with third down and not being sure if you're going to get come away with any points with time ticking away. You don't want to come away with nothing. You don't want to put yourself in a position where you lost that possession. So, yeah, you'd love to have said, okay, let's take a couple shots, but, you know, they, they're, they're not entirely uh, unable to see what's going on in front of them either. So uh, a conservative at times it plays to your favors, especially when you play, when you play in a, you know, the game of trying to keep up. Fair enough. And I, I can see both sides of that. Um, I see the fans' frustration, but I also see the strategy that's involved by the coaches. So certainly, um, certainly a, a, a um, debatable point. And, and I think there's, there's merit on both sides of it. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it won't I, be the last. <laughs> Go ahead. The, the other thing I want to say about it, Rob, is, is that, you know, there's going to always be, you can always have second guessing and you sure. always be able to sit on, on a couch and say, Hey, you know, we should have done this or we should have done that. And then, you know, obviously with the way the world is right now, you, everybody's opinion is out there and you can, you can have, you have your own opinion. Everybody has your own opinion and that's fine and, and good. But, Ultimately, there's only one person that answers to whether or not this team wins or not, and whether or not uh, this team is going through a, a, a skit or whatever. Whatever the situation may be, there's one person that has to be accountable for what this team does. So um, I trust in what the coaching staff does. And you got to remember, guys, that this is this, they're not just kind of shooting from the hip when it comes to playing certain statistics, statistically in terms of, you know, does it make sense to run this here or does it make sense to go for it there? Or, you know, those, those aren't things that just spur the moment, oh, let's just do it. No, that people we pay people to run statistically what makes the most sense to do in, in certain situations and say a, a fourth and three situation on, say, the 46 going in. Is it more? Does it make more sense to try to punt that and, and pin them deeper? Does it make more sense to try and go for that because you're in no man's land? And if you don't get it, they they still will have pretty bad field position. So, mm. you know, all those things come into play. And as the head man, you you kind of have to play all those things in your mind. What makes the most sense to do it at that time? Agreed. These these decisions don't happen in a vacuum, and they also are not cut and dry, black and white. They're decisions that could go either way in a lot of situations, a lot of cases. So um, you try to, you know, as a coach, you try to make the best decision or what you think is a decision that's going to give you the best chance to win. I often equate this, Colin, to when I hear people say, well, why aren't the coaches playing this guy? As if, you know, and that's like, they've got something personal. They sh they're not playing the better player. Well, no, the coaches are going to play the best guys they think gives them the best chance to win. They may not always make the right choice. There Maybe there's another guy that could make a play that's not in there, but they're basing it off of practice and what they see, and these are the best guys. that can. Same thing with a decision. You're trying to win the game. You're making a decision that you think is best for your team. They're just – it's not always black and white. That's exactly right. It never is, you know, because everything is so fluid when it comes to playing a ball game. You know, you go off of coordinators, let's be honest, coordinators, offensive and defensive coordinators, they feel the game out. You know, you feel out what a team is trying to do to you, how they're trying to attack you, and you, you try to, to make – you try to call plays that counteract what, what it is that you think they're trying to do to you. So it's, it's always fluid. But the one thing that you, you can have – at your disposal are statistics and what makes the most sense in most situations. And 
just like I broke it down a while ago, sometimes it, it does come across that statistically it makes more sense to do this or do that and not give you a chance, not put yourself in a position where you can't, you know, overcome a certain call. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think it will continue. We'll continue to get better, we'll continue to grow, and uh, you know, clock management and decisions to go for this or that. I think we'll continue to get better in all aspects of it. And so Iowa takes the early fourth quarter lead, 15-14. Iowa State comes back, drives, gets their field goal at 17-15. Iowa gets the ball back on its own 25. Um, Mikai Sargent, who you got to give the kid a lot of credit, he, he hurt his wrist during the, during the week and, and still gutted it out and, and made some big plays on the, on the drive. And we talked about that big 28-yard pass play uh, where Stanley kind of, uh, kind of uh, fit it between the linebacker uh, and, the, and the safety for that 28-yarder. And then your guy, Colin, Keith Duncan – North Carolina resident hits his fourth field goal of the day. What a great story this kid is. Absolutely. And to see that uh, you step up in a hostile environment and be able to knock down those field goals is huge for that guy. And I'm very proud and impressed with how he's been able to handle himself and be able to step up for the team uh, in this most time of need, man. And it's just, you know, it's only going to get better for him. And um, yeah. Huge for us this week, and, and even and Michael Sleep Dalton with the punts too. Just the special teams were big on Saturday with the close game with two teams with relatively evenly matched talent, good coaching staffs. These little things seem to come into play, and I thought the punting and the kicking were both both huge on Saturday. Absolutely. And that's, sometimes those are the things that uh, people could forget about. You know, you don't really realize how important special teams are until you really realize how important they are. And so, yeah, to, to have those guys out there that could go in and, and make those plays for us when we needed them, I mean, it was huge. It's extremely huge. Um, to be able to flip the field for us and to be able to put us in – like I, I mentioned before um, – the punt team is the punt team and the kickoff team are the first defensive plays for for any defense. And the better position that they can put us in, the the, the better it bodes for our team to to uh, to put us in position to win, and, you know, to to defend a, a long field. So yeah. And it's unfortunate you hate to see a game end the way Saturdays did, but it speaks to what we're the the topic we're on. Special teams, you have, you know. Iowa State getting a chance there with a minute and a half left, left to get the ball back, and then they have the snafu on the punt return. Feel bad for that kid, but that's just an example of one team playing clean on special teams and one team not, and just a huge play in the game. Huge play in the game. And, you know, you do feel bad for that kid in that spot, but, you know, ultimately there's – at times, those that's what those guys back there are for. Those returners have to be able to communicate to those guys where they need to go. And the fact is, is that he just kind of drifted into the into the, the path of where he was trying to block his man. So it, it happens, but that's that's all about the communication of of the returner to his, his, his guys on defense that are trying to hold those guys up that are gunners. So it's unfortunate, yeah, but um, the good guys prevailed, and uh, it's a tough. Uh, it's a tough game, but, uh, you know, 
I had a hard-fought battle, and Iowa State, I got to give credit to them. Uh, they might have had an opportunity. They did have an opportunity there at the end, even though, even overcoming a turnover late in the game. And I, Iowa helped them have that last opportunity. I, I did, and and we get to talk to Brian on, on Wednesday of this week. Um, Brian Ferentz, that is, and I'm sure he'll be asked about this. <laughs> I was second to last possession before it ran the clock out and just did the, uh, you know, victory formation. Third and seven, Iowa State has no timeouts, and Iowa ran the pass play. They, they you know, Stanley to weeding. That one, that one I can second guess and say, yeah, I, that was not a good decision. Yeah, yeah. Again, I think that just like I said a while ago, we can all sit back and we can all um, say that, you know, it's uh, it's easier to tell somebody or point a finger and say it's it's hard for uh, in that situation to make that call. You know, but again, if he makes a he makes a clean catch. And then the other part about that, I think, is going into the into the, uh, the um, going into the the sideline or the short short side of the field right. put us in a position where it was a lot less field for him to work. And so it was a difficult position to put him in in the first place. But if he gets that first down, we can eat the clock up right there and end the game right there. So I agree. Yeah, I would second guess it uh, just for the fact that you want that clock still running and you want to put them in a position where they, they have the least amount of clock left possible. Uh, but right, that next play was the um, the mishap and put us in position on uh, special teams wise. Yeah, and, and I know I probably sound like a hypocrite because I'm telling them at the end of the first half, "Hey, take some shots at the end zone." <laughs> and in this situation, they're taking a shot, and I'm critical of it. So that just kind of illustrates there, Colin, that this stuff is not as easy as it looks from your couch. No, it's not. It's not. And I think we all will second guess. Hey, I, I know I catch myself saying certain things as well. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, if he's able to make that catch uh, three yards deeper and he still goes out of bounds, guess what? We have 136 left in the game, but, uh, but we have four downs to milk the clock entirely and take over the and, and run the clock out completely. Um, so I don't disagree with the with taking the shot. Again, you think about situations and as a coaching staff, you guys come together and you say, hey, this is what we're looking at. This is what we can do. Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and see if we can ice this game right now by making this play right here and uh, but, and call it a game. So yeah, I agree. I, I agree with a lot of it, but you know, we're not the ones making those calls. So hats off to Brian Ferris and Kurt Ferris for making those calls and uh, putting ourselves in a position to to to, uh, to at least having to make them defend a long field, and which is what they would have potentially had to do. And um, yeah, so finish the game out properly. And again, I I while I am critical. And and I I would have gone a different direction in that certain you know in that specific situation. Um, I, I also think credit needs to be given to, you know, Brian. Uh, one for me, one of the big statistics in this game, and, and they didn't. They being the Hawkeyes did not get the first down on that third down, but for the game, ten of nineteen on third down. Really, and Matt Campbell brought this up. That was the backbreaker. When as a defense, when teams are, you know, consistently or semi-consistently converting third downs, 
that breaks your back. And that's what Matt Campbell said after the game. Yeah, absolutely. And they were able to do that early on and continue to create their own momentum doing so um, and sustain those drives. And I'll be honest with you, that team is pretty feisty. They, they got a lot going for them. And I think that they will continue to get better. I know that they will continue to get better. And it's going to be, you know, these, these young players on their side of, on, at Iowa State that will help lead that team to where they're trying to get to. Um, but thankfully, obviously, they weren't able to get that this past weekend. But I think that uh, Matt Campbell has this, this group of guys going the direction that they're trying to go in. And I think they'll, they'll, they'll see a lot of success moving pretty quickly. Uh, kind of going, well, not off topic, but just away from the game a little bit, more big picture here, Colin. There, There's a faction, and I wrote, the, I wrote a column about this last week, that – that was my that was my twenty first Cyhawk game in a row that I've covered the eleventh straight over in Ames that I've covered. I love this game. I think it's great for this state. I, we got to see game day. I know it was Iowa State centric, but it still highlighted you know what a lot of people I don't think know about, which is really such a great rivalry. But there are a faction of fans. I don't know if it's in a, the elitist side of the Iowa fan base or and, – and maybe maybe you're part of this, Colin. I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but people that say this is a no-win for Iowa and that they're supposed to win the game and this isn't – you know, they're better off without Iowa State and play a different Power 5 school. I'm giving you the floor. You Tell me your opinion of the Cyhawk rivalry. Well, I would have to say that I can appreciate – everything that you just said and uh, the fact that game day was there really brings a lot of validity to what the um, it really brings a lot of validity to the, the rivalry itself you know we, we hear all the different rivalries out there you hear about the, the USC UCLA the Texas and Oklahoma we, we know about those Florida and Georgia's blah 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 we, we we know about those those are ones that are very well known but right here in the state of Iowa, there's a lot of good football that's being played. Iowa State yearly uh, always, you know, beats somebody who you're not expecting them to beat and always are a very talented and well-coached team. And the same things could be said about Iowa. And the best part about it is that you get a chance to see these two different teams from two different conferences, two different complete different um ability levels a lot of times in terms of uh, who they bring into their programs but uh, there's always a hard fought battle and this is this is, is funny because you know this is uh this is something that Iowa does well in terms of having these types of games but still being able to pull out the win and it's, it's funny because I'm I'm actually doing radio down here in Charlotte North Carolina and one of the guys that's on the station says, you know, leave it to Iowa to win and only the way Iowa wins. And the ways <laughs> that we score are, are various and varied in so many different ways. But, again, I think when you think about it, it's not checkers, it's chess. And being able to put up points when whatever facets you need to to win a game, you, you, do, what you do whatever you have to do. So, again, it's, uh, the rivalry itself is huge. 
and I'm happy that it's finally got some of its just dues and some some notoriety in and of itself. And so, yeah, it's going to continue to grow and continue to get better. And I, I, with our program, I'm happy with where we are and, and continue to grow throughout the season. And I'll say this, and I'll un- – it's still being debated on on our Hawkeye Nation message boards whether this game should be played. And to me, and I wrote the column about it last week, so I, I don't want to go too deep into it again. But you know, you know, if you're going to give me Notre Dame against Iowa and Chicago, or you know, Iowa against I don't know Alabama or Auburn or somebody like that in Dallas, yeah, I, I would take that over Iowa State, but you're not going to get that every year. And I just think you lose something big if this game goes away. You know, when I go over to Ames, being an Iowa media member, they give me stinky, terrible, <laughs> awful parking. So I got to park away off or out in this pasture thing, walk through the mud. But by doing that, I go through all these tailgates. I see Iowa and Iowa State fans together out there, you know, barbecuing and and just talking to each other and throwing the football around and playing bags and all that stuff. And I just think to myself, why would anybody want this to go away? You know, you have a a monsoon like come through there the other night. And that stadium filled back up again. Those people hung out and waited to watch that game. And you have the same thing in Kinnick Stadium, that people file in there, and it's just I, just great atmospheres at both of these places. Both of these fan bases are passionate. I, 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 I don't know. I said I wasn't going to go off on this again, but I did anyway. I just I, – I would hate to see this game go away. Uh, they can't let that happen. And the, the, it means too much to the state of Iowa. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things for the Big 12 and for the Big 10 – this is huge in, in every aspect. And, you know, you, it, it may – yeah, we're on a five-game streak right now, but guess what? You never know who's going to end up out of this game. And in the state of Iowa and recruiting, it goes a long way to be able to say, yeah, we were the ones that pulled it out this year. So you got to take all those things into consideration. All right. Very so important. the game's behind us now, Colin. It's – you know, it's a we've established for 2019 once again. It's a Hawkeye State, and now we move on. We've got to move on. We've got a bye week now. You dealt with these when you were in college and, and the NFL. Give us some, I guess, important things that things is such a lame word for somebody who writes for a living, but um, <laughs> aspects of a bye week that are important, that you found important, you think are important for teams. You know, Iowa has two this year because it's kind of one of those weird years, but this is the first one now. Um, What goes on now? So you get your guys who are banged up. You get them them the extra treatments. You get get your team an opportunity to recoup. You get them to, you know, opportunity as a coaching staff to self-evaluate and see where you feel like you got areas that you can grow and get better in. And, um, you know, it's honestly, it's just an opportunity for everybody to really kind of take a break and take a breather and see where they are to see where the team needs to go from there. And, you know, for the players, it's huge in being able to uh, recover, rest, uh, basically get every opportunity you can to, you know, just, just – 
get the first half of the season out. You know, everybody, every coach that I've ever played for always used the metaphor that their every facet of the game is uh, broken down in, into either quarters. Yeah, every every facet of the game and is, is broken down into quarters. And so every facet of your season is broken down in quarters. And so for our, our team, our season, you know, it, it goes by, I would assume, three-game quarters. So every three games is a quarter. And right now we are, thankfully, 3-0 at this, at this position. So now you regroup. You try to get everybody back healthy and get ready to get on to the next game. Just uh, uh, I know I'm hitting you here. Um, you know, I didn't prepare you for this question, but just off the top of your head, couple things through three games that you really like what you're seeing and maybe a couple things that maybe you feel like this team has to sure up during this bye week and moving forward. I like what I'm seeing out of the offense as a whole. Um, I'm liking what I'm seeing from our receiving core and the fact that we have a number of different guys that have a number of different talents that they bring to the table. And you can, you can depend on, that are making plays. Our running back situation is very awesome right now. I'm, I'm very excited for where this group of guys goes from here. And I feel very strongly that they will continue to grow and continue to get themselves uh, plenty of, of needed reps throughout the rest of the season. Um, between, again, Makai Sargent. And then you got this – I mean, this young guy, Goodson, uh, he's got a different type of – Feel to him. different. He has a different type of, of wiggle to him. Something that's uh, that that can't be coached, and that's what's important in this zone blocking type of scheme. That to have guys that can bring something else to the table that can you know make a guy miss in the open field and put you guys in the best possible positions to 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 make plays. So offensively and defensively, I'm excited about our secondary. I'm excited about our offensive line. I'm excited about our defensive line as a, as a group and linebacking core. Um, but I do feel like defensive line-wise, we do have some guys that got to step up and got to make more plays. Um, in key situations, I wasn't able to see a lot of uh, pressure being put on the opposing quarterback. And that's what, you know, going throughout the season, there's no way we're going to be able to win in the Big Ten without being able to get pressure with a four-man rush on opposing quarterbacks. There's no way. So we have to continue to grow. We got to get better in that area. We have to be better in that area. Well, so one other area that I wonder about, do you worry at all about overconfidence? Now you get to 3-0, and you're starting to move up the polls. You got some young guys on this team. Um, you know, you're getting pats on the back, walking around campus. Everybody's telling you, all right, here we go. Um, is that part of the, the upperclassmen, the seniors that got to kind of keep everybody in line? Well, it starts with the, the head man and reminding them where we are, where we've been, where we're trying to go to. We have by no means reached the promised land. You know, it's, we didn't just beat a number five ranked, um, I don't know who's number five, LSU team or whatever. It, we just beat Iowa State, our rival, who was a very good football team. But keeping it all in perspective, we have a lot of growth to be done. And, uh, again, there's, a, there's been a lot of growth so far, and there's been a lot of great play so far. But 
we, we have a lot of growth yet to be done for our team to get to the place that we're trying to get to, which is let's not just let's not set our sights small. Let's let's shoot for the college football uh, playoff game, playoff system. Let's let's shoot for that. And if anybody has any other objections to that, or if anybody doesn't feel like that's the place that we want to go, then you know, yeah, you can start worrying about the pats on the back and being excited about where you what you've done so far. But each and every game is important. And having to get up for that next game is what's most important. And when Middle Tennessee rolls into town, that's what's important. So focus on what you can control, which is the next play, the next quarter, the next half, the next game. And that's where you got to go to. Well said. That sounds exactly like what Coach Ferentz is probably talking about this <laughs> this week. And, uh, you know, trying to keep everybody on the same page and everybody moving in the same direction. Because as you said, there are areas that, you know, the, all these other teams that I was going to play, they're all coached well and they're all preparing and they're all, re- they're, they're all getting ready for the rest of the season too. So if you, if you let up at all, you're going to get left behind. That's exactly right. All right, Colin. Well, I think that will do it for this week. Um, Thank you, Hawkeye fans, for listening in. And I'm glad everybody was able to go into work this week and and razz their – friendly razz their their Cyclone coworkers and friends and things like that. And you get those rights for another year, so feel good about that. But as Colin said, there are – There are bigger and better things out there, starting with the uh, Big Ten West division, and then from there you go to the Big Ten championship game, and then from there you go to the college football playoff. So one thing at a time, next up is Middle Tennessee State, and uh, that's a week from Saturday, and uh, we'll all get ready for that. That's an 11 o'clock kickoff for any of you that missed that was announced today, and I believe it's ESPN too. So first – First trip to ESPN this year after three uh, FS1 broadcasts. We'll be moving to uh, another network, so mark that down, folks. That's right.